everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website, and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions, and joining me as per usual is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bondo. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm I mean, I'm glad it's a new month and stuff, but also I'm tired. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having a rough week here, so uh, I am, I am with you. The struggle bus is parked outside my house. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's not really the struggle bus. It's just you know, there's a lot of things happening in our industry that just been getting me down. I know. I've said yes to too many things. I'm trying to like house hunt, which let me tell you, I do not recommend in this market. Um, it's very demoralizing. Um, get ready to feel really crappy about yourself and all of your life choices up until this point. Yeah. So, um, so what are we talking about today? That's going to help cheer me up. I know it is going to, it's going to help cheer me up for real. Number one, because, uh, Janet Mullaney is back with us this <laughs> Two week. weeks in a row. I Two know. weeks in a row. And we are going to dig into my favorite little sub series that we're doing, which is Classics Revisited. And this week, we are talking about a movie that I love so much. I think we all do, mm-hmm. actually. It is the 1995 mm-hmm. yes. adaptation of Jane Austen's Persuasion, uh, which many of you may have not seen because I feel like a lot of people haven't, even though it's like one of the best Jane Austen ap- adaptations on Earth. It stars Syrian Hines, whom a lot of people probably know as Mance Raider from Game of Thrones, <laughs> but he has done... Many, many other things, including star in a great show called The Terror, which more people should watch. And Amanda Root, who I don't know what else Amanda Root has done. I'm like, she's the lady from Persuasion. Yeah, well, she did a lot of stage stuff. She was in one of the Dalgleish episodes recently. Oh. Yeah. She yeah, she's in like... the fourth size set. She's in the fourth size saga. She's a she was a yeah. one of the uh, suspects in Unforgotten a couple of years back. Um, she's done. You well, know, she... who isn't? Uh, yeah, everyone's true. a suspect in Unforgotten at some point. It's like Law and Order. <laughs> well, even us. I mean, maybe give it time. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, she did the uh, she did the Julian Fellows most mysterious murder thing. That was the thing that he did before Downton Abbey. Um, oh, um, pass on that. Yeah, like there's just she's been in, and oh, oh, and of course, you know, she was a uh, she was in Sherlock. She did a guest, she did a guest thing on Sherlock. Uh, I think the one that was the Six Napoleons, but not actually the Six oh. Napoleons. I have fully only watched that episode one time. The last season of Sherlock does not do it for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the thing about persuasion, um, just in general. So, uh, full disclosure, I grew up with an Austin scholar for a mother. Um, and you know, my, my, my rebellion were things like, you know, I didn't tell her I'd read Pride and Prejudice for years. Um, <laughs> it upset her. Um, she didn't have to know I'd actually read it. It's fine. Um, anyway, uh, Persuasion is one of those that I always thought of as sort of like one of the more offbeat Austins. You know, there's... I feel like it gets a bad rap. Well, I feel like it gets a sort of like people don't like it's 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 like the it's like that I went to that cool coffee shop before it was like a Starbucks of Austin. Well, it's works. like they're 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 the ones that Austin that people all people know. You don't have to actually have even ever picked up a book to know of Pride and Prejudice or Sense and Sensibility or Emma. Um mm-hmm. because of the movies, because of, you know, Clueless, because of those types of things. Um but you know, Mansfield Park, North Andrew Abbey and Persuasion are sort of the three that like only people who've actually read Jane Austen really know about. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people often make the mistake because it is the last novel that Austen completed and she was actually sick while she was writing. Um, people tend to think it has this elegiac air, whereas, well, no, it's actually quite funny. It's not as mean as some of her other books, but it is quite funny. And right after that, she wrote Sanditon or the beginning of Sanditon, which is a sort of rollicking farce. And she was definitely sick at that point. So I think people tend to approach persuasion with an, oh, it's her last book um, attitude, which I think is just wrong. I mean, it's a terrific novel and this is a terrific film version of it. I, I, I do have to say that at this point, Persuasion is probably the least, I feel like it's fallen to the bottom of the rankings. Sanditon used to be that one that only like Jane Austen scholars knew about. And now it's like one of the most well-known Jane Austens because of the Sanditon yeah. sisterhood mm-hmm. and masterpiece. Which yes. is really hilarious because there's only like nine chapters of Sanditon. <laughs> like it is like nothing. Right? Like seriously. To me, this is like the most offbeat Jane Austen we could have picked in terms of story. I think a lot of that has to do with... Um, and it's really funny. It's one of those things where I feel like I appreciate Anne Elliot more as I get older than I did when I was younger. Like, Anne really speaks to me in so many ways. I love that she is an older Jane Austen heroine. I love that she has, you know, seen some shit, for lack yeah. of a better phrase. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, Persuasion is definitely like the Austen you like when mm-hmm. you get older and you don't appreciate mm-hmm. when you're first reading them. At least it was for me. Like I, when I first read Jane Austen, like I liked Emma as best. And nowadays, I think I think Persuasion is probably like up there with against it as my other favorite. Well, now to be a real Jane Austen person, you have to read the Juvenilia, and you have to read the letters. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> well, yes. Yes, yes, I know about the letters. Nobody's ever heard of the letters except for my mother. Please. Oh, I have. <laughs> Oh, well, yes, but that that's because you are a total nerd as opposed to a regular nerd. Yes. Um. Anyway, uh, so let's actually talk about this version of Persuasion, which, you know, it came out at a point when we there was this huge sort of wave of Jane Austen like adaptations at the time. There was the 1995 Pride and Prejudice, which at this point is kind of like the the, the, the touchstone of most fandoms. Yes. I mean, that that miniseries was like a cultural phenomenon everywhere. So suddenly it was like really cool for all this stuff. And I don't know if younger, if the youngs realize this now, because we don't really do it anymore, but there was a whole cottage industry. The movies that won the Oscars were all like Merchant and Ivory movies. And they were all like... Jane Austen movies or The Remains of the Day or, you know, there were all these sort of costume movies based on books. And we don't really have, like, we don't really have a Merchant in Ivory sort of lane anymore. And that sucks because I loved, I loved all those movies. But yeah, it was just part of like, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, wasn't weird that this movie got made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it, but it came at the wrong time, really, because well, there there was also um, Emma Thompson's Sense and Sensibility, which was also huge. And oh, I and so I remember perfect. when when Persuasion released, it was in about three movie theaters in the DC area. And I played hooky from work. I was working for an educational establishment at the time, and I said, "I have an off-campus meeting," and off I went. <laughs> I mean, Austin movies are educational. I think that's fine. Yes, they are, and. 
1996 had Emma right afterwards too. So like you know this was a this was a period where there were lots of very big screen uh, Jane Austen adaptations. Yes, and this was an arty movie. And the thing is, is that this is the one that didn't have any people you recognized in it. This this movie was full of like people you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, and there weren't wet wet shirts, and it was very sort of artsy and um, sort of <laughs> cerebral. Um, but it's it's oh gosh, it's just brilliant. I think I'm just going to sit here for the next forty five minutes to say, oh, it's the best ever. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. I think the words you just used, cerebral, is such a good description for this movie because it's so um, uh, as opposed to like a lot. I mean, I know all of this is still true because it's Austin, but like a lot of these stories are very like around the external factors of the things that are happening to these people and that are keeping them apart or pushing them together or whatever. But so much of this story is about internal things mm-hmm. and acceptance of internal things that I think it's just like, it is really, it's very thoughtful. It's very like, it's dense for, I mean, it's dense for Austin, which is not like that dense, but still. Yeah. On the other hand, there's also, the external factors which are brought out so strongly in this because the novel opens in 1814 and at that point Napoleon's been banged up in Elba I think I can't, I can't remember which one he went to first but the war technically is over and so that's why Frederick Wentworth and uh, of course Admiral Croft are back on land again and looking to live places and or get married. Wait who wants to do a quick summary of this since I feel like a lot of people may not actually even know like the basics of this story. Okay, Janet, why don't you do that? Okay. Well, it's the story of a woman called Anne Elliot, who is the only sensible person in her family. This is so Austin. She has a spendthrift <laughs> idiot father. She has several... How many sisters does she have? Is it two or three? I can think of two off the top of my head. No, no, three. Um, and, and their father is um, a piece of work. Uh, and... He's living in a mansion. This is something you don't see. You never saw this in Merchant Ivory. There are creditors standing outside the house because he's overspent. He needs to do something. He consults with his lawyer and his lawyer says, you must retrench and you need to get rid of one of your pastry cooks. He has several. And Sir Walter Elliot (laughs) is really annoyed about this, but he decides eventually to agree with it because he wants he he can go and live in Bath and he can be the big fish in the small pond and meet fashionable and beautiful people he's always going on about people's complexions um, and there's one point um, Corinne Redgrave plays him he looks at a knife and admires his reflection in it and so Anne is the one who's left to tidy up the house the house is going to be leased to an admiral Admiral Croft who is now home because they think the war has ended and his wife Mrs. Croft and of course Anne knows who is a very young Fiona Shaw oh she's lovely I think she's the nicest Austin character ever um and uh and um so Anne is tidying up the bits and pieces and before she goes to Bath and she doesn't like Bath and she doesn't like the fact that um Mrs. Croft's brother is her old flame um Captain what if what is his first name? Captain Went. I always think of his captain. Captain Wentworth. Hot man. It's Frederick. <laughs> Frederick. I it oh, up. Frederick. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and they wanted to get engaged and was talked out of it by a friend called um, Lady Russell. Amazing hats, amazing turbans, just beautiful. And 
Um, yes, but 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 a terrible attitude. Terrible attitude. She said to Anne, look, there's a war on. He'll go away. You may never see him again. What are you going to do? And Anne gets talked out of it. So Anne has become the dog's body of the family. And Anne is sent off to hang out with her sister, Mary, who married a guy called um, Charles Musgrove, who actually wanted to marry Anne first. She turned him down. And um, he married the wrong sister so much. He married the wrong one. Exactly. And then, of course, Frederick Wentworth turns up in their lives again. And Anne has contact with him. And when she eventually goes to Bath, he goes there too. And they start reconsidering things. I mean, the first time he, uh, what Captain Wentworth sees her, he tells her sister, who of course has to tell Anne, that she is so altered I would not have recognized her. I mean, that's not what you want to hear when your old boyfriend shows up. Um, and Wentworth is frivolously saying, oh, you know, I'm ready to get married now. I've got all this money. I'm incredibly rich because of my prize money. And basically anyone who just smiles and giggles and says nice things about the Navy can have me. Um, that's that's a sort of paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> but he finds that these that the idiot girls are, in fact, idiot girls. And he began he begins to realize when Anne attracts attention from other men, that in fact, he is missing out. And so the rest of the book is the story of how they actually get together. There is also one of Jane Austen's villains played by Samuel West, a baby Samuel West. Yes. No pipe or beard in this one. And He's so young. He has this glorious mop of blonde curls. Oh, yes. Yes. He's, he's, he's blonde and very pretty. And he's actually a villain who is trying to... Um, he's actually the heir because um, Sir Walter does not have any male children. Um, but he's actually out to rip him off. And to, and to do that, he courts Anne. And so, of course, Frederick sees that, you know, other men are prowling around. Well, at least one of them, at least one man. And um, no, there's the guy, there's the, there's, um, I want to say Captain Harville, the one, the poet. Oh, Captain, the poetry one. Yes. Yes. The poetry one. Yes. yes the poetry one. There, there, she, she has a couple of, she has a couple of, of possible suitors, but you know, they're, they're, they're sort of not really right for her. Obviously, Mr. Elliot, uh, which makes it, can I just say, how can, I, I get why, you know, it's, it, it's a little like Matthew Crawley and, you know, uh, Robert Crawley and yeah. Mary Crawley and all that. But it's, it, it, it went, when I, when I, the first time I ever read Persuasion, that was one of the first times I'd ever run into this. And I'm like, her name they're the Elliots and he's also Mr. Elliot and I'm supposed to sort of keep them separate yes <laughs> yes he's also he's also her cousin or some sort of cousin but I I, I mean there's a well, lot Mary of and Matthew are cousins and nobody minded well thing thing was it was actually good in a way because well one thing it kept the money in the family and also it was protection for the woman if you married somebody whose family you didn't know and who you didn't know anything about um you wouldn't have anyone on your side but not that Anne has anyone on her side, really, anyway. Yes. It's true. Yeah, Elizabeth is the older one. And Elizabeth is uh, is basically like her father's daughter, which is not a compliment. And then Mary is the younger one. 
and Mary is basically like um an idiot um and 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 just and, and spoiled and Anne is kind of the middle sister um and like the sensible middle sister basically and you know as someone who was sort of the oldest daughter who didn't have any middle kids like I always kind of disliked Elizabeth <laughs> a lot because I was like no oldest daughters don't have to be terrible mm-hmm. but you know well she yes I, I I mean they really treat her very badly um and and they say things like oh Anne Anne doesn't matter in front of her to her face it's just horrible. And and when, I and I also feel like they also spend so much time going on about how unattractive she is, yes. and I'm like, she's really pretty. Yeah, what are you talking about? Like she's yes, that I I actually would say that that is probably the the one thing about um this movie that I sort of argue with, and of course I know it's a movie, so of course like the unattractive people are played by attractive people because that's the way yes. that movies work, right? But. Like one of the things that always bothered—I think it's the thing that bothered me about this—is that the Anne that I pictured was not nearly as good-looking <laughs> as Amanda Root. This is that we had this conversation when we watched Jane Eyre, and we were like, "Ruth Wilson is beautiful." <laughs> like- <laughs> Right. And, and and I have to say, like, there is a new persuade. There's a new version of persuasion that is coming out on Netflix, I think, mm-hmm. late this year or beginning of next year. And it's Dakota Johnson who plays who plays Anne Elliot. And I'm like, no, she's way too pretty. This is not going to work. This will never work. I know. I wish that the I wish that the one with um Sarah Snook from Succession were still going forward because Sarah Snook is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But I think. She's very like she's very like unconventionally beautiful in a lot of ways. I think she yes. could have really like been interesting. Plus I just love her. Yes, I absolutely agree. Yeah, now one thing that I think was really interesting about the movie was that they're not nobody is wearing obvious makeup. Well, Walter Elliott maybe actually maybe. So Walter maybe. But um and I also read in one place but I could not find a confirmation anywhere else that apparently it was filmed in sequence and i don't think really yeah well i always love it when movies do that yeah which would have made it very Mm -hmm. expensive although it does come over as a low budget movie um and also the director um told people um you know don't worry too much about your personal hygiene (laughs) (laughs) so um but but i love the fact that People looked real. I mean, there's this terrific scene where um, uh, two of the daft girls, I was going to say several of the daft girls, but there are only two of them, Um, the the Musgrove sisters and... um, Uh, Henrietta and uh, Louisa. Henrietta and Louisa. And... um, Oh, Henrietta, by the way, is a young Victoria Hamilton and... I did not realize that when I was rewatching and I was like, yes, who is that? Who is like the whole time? And then I had to go look it up. Yeah. And, uh, and Charles, the brother goes and Mary Musgrove goes and there's this whole bunch of people traipsing around the countryside and it's pretty miserable. I, I mean, it looks cold. It looks damp and they walk a long way and, there's this wonderful scene at the end of it where they're sitting around the fire. They're drinking tea. Um, like the women have their skirts somewhat up, I mean, to about knee level, because they have their feet propped up on the fender and the men have their coats off. And it's just absolutely glorious. I mean, it's like you're almost there with them. And I love that about it. 
Um, I, I do have to say that like there are some really lovely like shots in this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things this is a uh, this is technically a BBC production, but it was a BBC co-pro with Sony, which is kind of a, a rare thing. Um, from from that time period, and uh. uh you, you can kind of see like it, it looks like a BBC film, but like a BBC film that understood it was going to be on the big screen. And there are just these long shots. It's also slow um, in a way that movies are not slow anymore. Um, and, and there is there there's this one like that when they're all when they're all going around and it's the one where Louisa jumps at the end. Oh yes, right. Um, and, and falls and like and smashes herself to bits basically. Um, but the whole sequence is it's it's just it's so pretty. Like I kind of forget to watch the actual thing and just stare at the landscape and stare at the sky and it's just really beautiful to look at. Yeah, that's that's when they're in lime. And they're walking along the seawall, and um, and uh, Louisa, who is blatantly flirting all the time with Captain Wentworth, wants to jump down and have him catch her, and she and he and he does it, and then she runs up again and, and jumps, and that's great too because you see this close up of her stockings and her shoes, and her shoes are worn, and her stockings are sort of wrinkly. Um, and and that piece of film, it's amazing. She goes into slow mo. And she floats, and you can hear a. I am sure it is a it is a lark singing, um, which of course it wouldn't be at the seaside. It'd be noisy. There'd be waves and and so on. But I mean, that is just so beautifully done. And another scene I really loved is just before they go on the walk where the accident occurs, is when they're on the seashore. And Wentworth is standing there just looking out and it's like he is dying to get back into action again. He doesn't really want to be on land. And um, I thought that was so clever. I think this is the point where we need to talk about Syrian Hines, by the way. Oh, I was just opening my mouth to be like, let's talk about Wentworth. <laughs> because I think, um, I think, I, I think that... Um, I think Wentworth as a character is kind of very dreamy, but I think that Syrian mm-hmm. Hines is not, uh, he's a very attractive man. I think something I don't know that I would have appreciated mm-hmm. as much as I do now when I w- was younger, but he's also not Colin Firth. So how do we, how do mm-hmm. we feel that he fits in? Well, let's two progress. Let's talk about how do we feel that like sort of Wentworth fits into the kind of canon of Austin heroes I'm making air quotes and how do we feel about Syrian Hines specifically in this film um I like I like what okay I like Wentworth as a character and as I have grown older I think he has become my favorite hero um I would not have said that at like 18 I realize how terrible Fitzwilliam Dartsey is and I love him anyway I'm sorry yeah, I know. And yeah. yeah. Well, Heinz looks as though he's been at sea almost all of his adult mm-hmm. life, which he would have been because when you went into the Navy, um, you could go in at age about 10 or 11 as a midshipman and work your way up. He, he does look kind of just sort of beat up by the elements. No offense, but... yes. Yeah, I mean that. No, but that's what made him such a great man's raider. And a lot of the roles that he has played just over the years, like take advantage of that kind of weather-beaten hotness that he sort of exudes. Oh, like in the Terror. Mm-hmm. He's like the he's the head of the Franklin expedition in the Terror. 
Yes, right. Yeah, and one thing one thing I absolutely love actually about the book and and the movie is that when Louisa does the fatal jump and bangs bangs her head, all these tough navy men, um, Captain Wentworth's friends, run around like little girls screaming because they cannot adapt to life on land. And I thought that was amazingly funny. It's There's also a mention that Admiral and Mrs. Croft um, go out driving in a trap or some sort of little horse-drawn vehicle. And they everybody who knows him fully expects him to turn them over in the ditch because while he can manage a fleet of ships, he can't marry, manage a land vehicle. Yeah, um, it, I, I also like that because, you know, it's one of those moments where everybody loses their heads except yes. Anne. Yes. And it's very much it, it's very much the moment where, like, Anne steps up and is like, no, we can all handle this. Everyone get out of my way. That's like her role in life. <laughs> <laughs> I also, this is such a shallow observation, but I just love um, that Sirian Hines is just so much physically larger than Amanda Root is. Like it just, oh like, yes. it just I love I love just kind of the way that they look together because of that because it makes sense to me because he would be like, you know, kind of a hulking sea dude and she's tiny. I just think it's adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when Captain Wentworth meets Mister Elliot, um, he basically looks as though he could eat him, and spit him out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has such presence. I know there's a reason this man was like Julius Caesar, so it happens. Yes, exactly. Another excellent Syrian Hines <laughs> role. While I just run down the list of yes. his greatest hits, HBO's Rome. Look it up. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like I, 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 I probably have loved Syrian Hines since seeing Persuasion, but yeah, like every time he turns up from Belfast to Kin, like it's just he's so great. Um, I, I do have to say that there is definitely a level where he impressed upon me at an impressionable age. The the sort of hulk, the sort of hulking hot, I guess is a good way of putting it. Since that's you, you, you use the word hot. hulking, and I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yes, large hot. And <laughs> as a person, as a person who is, you know, like I'm barely five feet. Like I know, you know it's that, that dynamic. That kind of He's like so of... much bigger than she is. It's like the like cute protective thing, <laughs> like he protect and attack or whatever. Um. Yeah, and and I I also have to say that it, it it sort of he obliterates everyone else in a way. Mm-hmm. Like there's a level where like you know she she she's doing the poetry thing and like you know we have Mister Elliot who is sort of snaking around and like and 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 flattering her and everything. And then you look at them next to to Heinz and it's like no. <laughs> um, I do I do think a lot about uh because Syrian Heinz is is I will simply say somewhat unconventionally attractive that that had something to do with why this movie wasn't more successful during the time it was released because if you look mm-hmm. at the other like uh, Colin Firth is like surface of the sun hot Jerry Mc- Jeremy Northam was nightly in that Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow um right like, like right. all of these have really like like smoking hot men in them not again not to say that Syrian Hines is like not attractive but like the movie poster effect is lessened yeah. Yes, I, I absolutely would agree. I mean, you know, even though Sense and Sensibility is basically like Kate Winslet and Emma Thompson, um, but it's yes. Alan Rickman who is the hot guy. I'm sorry. I still hear him being like, give me an occupation, Miss Dashwood, or I shall run mad. Like in my head all the time. When, <laughs> whenever I like, when, I just said it to Greg the other day for some reason. But like it lives rent free in my head. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, and, and Hugh Grant is also in that. Oh, before we had to be like, Hugh Grant's kind of gross. Yes. This was like pure Hugh Grant. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's the it's the old pure Hugh Grant that kind of came back with Paddington. Yeah. Although his Twitter is great. He's won me back over with his, with his Twitter, like, fighting with Boris Johnson's government. So, we love him for that. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. So so yes, there's definitely a level where Heinz was not able to, you know, compete in that arena when it came to like, you know, Austin fans basically if they're given three movies and this is the one with the least hot guy, so of course they go for the other two. Mm-hmm. Um but honestly like I I have to say that it definitely made like an impression as a teenager and probably for the better. Um that I liked him better than Darcy on some level, even though Darcy is the more classic. Look, I recognize I recognize my flaws. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like you know, we I think we all want a Darcy in our lives. But the smart choice would be to pick the Wentworth. Like this is like this is what it is. Like girls go for the Wentworth. <laughs> yeah. Like- no, actually, that's just <laughs> it. Is that even though you know. Pride and Prejudice sells you on the Darcy, you know, mm-hmm. um, they, they, they sell you on sense, sense and sensibility sells you on Brandon, etc. Persuasion is the one who says, actually, you just want the stable dude who might not really be the hottest guy. No, but honestly, he's... I think I think Brandon in Sense and Sensibility is is also that dude. And that's why and that's why Marianne has to has to mess up with what's his fame first. Willoughby. Yeah, you know, I I disagree about Wentworth because Austin describes him as being a, as being high energy and dashing and I can't remember the exact words she uses, but apparently in Austinese it translates to sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is a he is a man of action. And of course, Jane Austen likes like men in the Navy anyway, because she had two brothers who were in the Navy. I know that's such a trope we don't really like have now. You know what I mean? Like the hot naval dude. Not that guys, the guys in the right fleet yeah. week is hot. Like, let's put that aside. But you know, like this, it's not the same. Like that language has changed. I would absolutely agree. Yes. Well, well, you know, the Navy was the only profession in which somebody who was not a gentleman might be able to actually forge a career and might actually be able to make a ton of money. Because well, that's why yeah. that's why Anne's dad doesn't like, like them. That's right. Yes. And he has to be persuaded that it's okay to have an admiral in the house because he's married with no children. And so it'll be looked after. Which I, I mean, is isn't hilarious. it like, isn't it an admiral is like really high ranking though, right? Like, wouldn't that be, oh, wouldn't yeah. that be? Oh, yeah. Prestigious? I don't. Admiral, excuse me. He's Admiral Picard at this point. Of course, That's Admiral true. is like the highest ranking. <laughs> we love you, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. But you, <laughs> yes. But you know the same thing about Anne's appearance. People who saw the movie did not like Anne's appearance because she does this remarkable acting job where she starts off looking sort of pinched and worried and unhappy, and then. By the time she gets out to lime with all the sailor boys and all the silly Musgroves and so on, I mean, she looks great. And when she goes to Bath, even her father says, you know, your complexion is much improved. Have you been using Gowland's water, which I think was some horrible, had some horrible substance like lead in it or something. And, <laughs> 
Uh, so, so she really starts coming into her own physically. And I love it when actors do that, when you could see that transformation happening. And it wasn't because of makeup. It's just it's just remarkable. I know she's really glowing by the end of the movie. Like, yes. Yes. And it's not and it it doesn't really like I'm sure that it's lighting and makeup on some level, mm-hmm. but on some level it really isn't. Mm-hmm. In some re- on some level it really isn't an internal character choice that she's making yes. that just sort of blossoms her face <laughs> in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry that's not actually a funny statement at all it just makes me i went to a basketball game with my best friend and his son and and aiden came up with uh we we told Aiden we we said some bad things during the game and so in order to come up with the thing that was was appropriate for aiden who has eight uh we came up with boo in your face which is really fun to say and that just sounded like boo in your face to me so sorry for that tangent <laughs> so if you had to pick a favorite character out of Persuasion, other than, say, you know, Wentworth and Anne, like, is there a, a good, which secondary character is your favorite? Oh, Mrs. Croft, in a heartbeat. She is fabulous. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing is, I think it's about the only truly happy marriage we see in an Austen novel. They're actually very adorable. They are lovely, but they don't have any children. And I've always wondered when she says um, she was never ill at sea, but when she was on land, um, she was she was not well. And I actually wonder whether um, she had been pregnant, and it was a pregnancy that did not um, um, that did not end as it should have done. And I really wonder about that because they are so tremendously happy together. And I love the fact that she's going to see with her husband. But at the same time, like the fact that they have no children, you know, is such a is is such a different thing for uh, that time period. Oh, for that time. Definitely. Did that happen a lot? Does that did that happen a lot? Does anybody know? Not the not the pregnancy struggles but like women going on trips with her i always thought because you know whenever you watch like black sails or like it's bad luck to have a woman on the ship and it's very like (laughs) about it i mean honestly like the 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 new pirate show that's over on a hbo uh is basically about a dude who runs away to sea because his wife can't follow him there like that's literally like part of the plot. I mean, isn't that which pirate was it that murdered all those women? Bluebeard, like who just kept like historically probably he just kept moving around because he didn't want he didn't like have time to get divorced. So he would just move somewhere else and marry a different woman. Yeah, I think quite a quite a few women did accompany their husband at sea, and also a lot of women signed up as sailors because when you think about it, nobody ever really took their clothes off completely. So a lot of a lot of women would join up to be to be with their boyfriends. And there was one woman who actually Charles Dickens met when he was a young man who'd signed up. And generally what happened was um, the women would be discovered if they were wounded. Um, And but she um, she was actually trying to get her naval pension. Because she because she had fought against the enemy, she deserved it. That's fascinating yeah. because, you know, I, I know reenactors who do like Navy stuff for like reen- reenacting like uh, the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812. And the women who who um, participate in that basically play men. Yes. Um, because there's this belief that there really weren't women at sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I'm, I'm really tempted to reach back into my bookshelf and wave a book at you. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it would be totally lost in this medium. Um, but We uh, can just, we can, the audience can imagine you waving a book. Yes. You must read this book. I mean, we could put it in the, we could put it in the show notes. That's the thing that we have. Yes. The name right. of the book. Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, so Lacey, who's your favorite secondary character? Oh gosh, I don't know. I just like Anne. Anne is my favorite. I just love it. I don't know why I like have imprinted on Anne so strongly. Probably because I waited a very long time to, uh, well, not just to get married myself, but to find a relationship that was marriage material. Mm -hmm. So that just like really, even even though I was much older than 28 and 28 is not that old. Um, well, not for us, but uh, you know, in Austin's time, you were... You by that time you would have lost your bloom. You were firmly on the shelf. I know. I'm not saying. I just you know it's not right. She's still pretty. <laughs> One thing I love about Jane Austen and her sister Cassandra is that apparently they both insisted on wearing truly ugly caps because women did have their heads covered most of the time, and you'd want it indoors because you know dealing with wood smoke and coal smoke. But apparently the caps they chose to wear were pretty ugly. Whereas in this um, in this film, some of the caps are absolutely beautiful. Um, this is this is very much a hat movie i i will give it that oh it's a hat and a cap and also i love the fact that people are re-wearing their clothes i mean it's not like a new scene a new outfit yes and some of those clothes look well worn well especially because they're all in the in sort of the financial bracket that like they couldn't afford but so many outfits well it depends who you are <laughs> because um we, we we're prepping for Bridgerton, um, you know, coming at the end of the month. And one of the things about season one was that uh, Daphne never wore the same gown twice. And like it, that's as much as that's fun. It's also completely untrue mm -hmm. and unbelievable. You know, it's like one of the big that's things. That's a lot of dresses. A lot what, of dresses. Like, how do you even do that laundry? Yes. Well, the well, the Elliot family is is well, they're living beyond their means. Um, but even so, Anne tends to knock around in, I mean, what I think really is the Regency equivalent of sweats. It's the same dress. <laughs> uh, but it's her, it's, my, it's yes. my equivalent now of like soft yes. pants. But her sister, um, her sister Elizabeth, at one point wears an absolutely stupendous red satin dress, which is absolutely yes, she gorgeous. Does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I I have to say, I think my favorite character, my favorite secondary character, is is poet do is the poet captain. Um. Captain Benwick. Yes. Yeah. It's Ben. It's Benwick. Har Harville is the one they go to stay with. Benwick is the one who would have been. I is he is it that he would have been his brother in law? Yes. But she died. Or or or. Okay. Yes. It's not that he married her yet. It's not that they are brother brothers in law. They they were almost brothers in law. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. I really like Benwick as like sort of a foil for Anne like I don't want her to marry him but I, I do uh, as 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 all the secondary characters he's probably my favorite mm -hmm. because he just he they have such great debates against each other yes and and of course Anne advises him that possibly he should be reading more prose which I <laughs> one of the great lines <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What what is so interesting is that after Louisa nearly kills herself, she wakes up a sort of she's like a personality transplant, like while she's unconscious. Yeah, basically, <laughs> she becomes a sort of emo poetry fan, 
And very convenient of her, really. I think they're really cute together, but it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, but Captain Harville, um, you know, he has that conversation with Anne in the scene where, um, where Wentworth is writing the letter. And um, he says to her how disappointed he was because, because Bennett was originally going to marry his sister, and apparently his sister was terrific. And now he's marrying this sort of brainless, ditzy girl, um, because apparently she is still a brainy, ditzy girl, but apparently she likes poetry now. Yeah. I mean, brain injury can be hard. That's true. I don't know. You know what? I, every time I, every time we talk about like stuff like, like, well, maybe this one more than most others, I wish that we were still an epistolary society. Mm-hmm. I love this whole like... I don't know. I, maybe I just really want someone to like write me a very fancy letter or something that isn't a bill. Oh. But I wish that well, we all want. I that. wish that we did that more. Yeah, I mean, I will say that is one of the mo- more romantic moments mm-hmm. is that he it's hands so her that letter. Good. Oh, the letter. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we're all like, like none of it. We all, we all. For those of you listening in the darkness, we all talk to each other on like uh, zoom while we record and the faces that we all just made during that moment like when we're all like the they're all just sort of like middle-aged swoony ladies <laughs> happening over this letter because they're all just like Ugh. i am half agony half hope but i mean it's a great letter and it's it's so perfect <laughs> yeah. like it's the, it, 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 it it's such the you know it, 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 in 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 the pantheon of romantic tropes this one gets an a plus absolutely and nobody did it as well as Austin. I wish um, I thought to Google it so someone can do a dramatic reading. But just know that it's perfect. Yes. And more men should do this while we're being all throwbacky. Don't go back to snap bracelets. Go back to like <laughs> love letters. Just saying. Indeed, yes. And um, so another bit I really loved in this movie was when we go into... Um, when we go into Italian experimental film, the with the circus coming to town, which is not in the book, uh, but it's after um, Anne and Wentworth are reconciled. Yes. See, this is because we had art house movies back then. It's like we have to we have to put this in to get Oscar nomination. Yeah, I, I will say that that is it, it. It it you know when I watched the movie the first time in the nineties, like it didn't strike me as weird. Rewatching it now, it's like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. Carnival just wandered through. <laughs> it's amazing how many like how many books and shows and things that yes. just accidentally like a carnival wanders through. Hmm. It's not a small yeah. number. It's just it's so random. I mean, it's great in that like you know they have this great background to like have their big kiss to, but at the same time, the f- well nobody notices because everybody's looking at the guy blowing blowing fire and the juggler and so on. <laughs> uh it's probably it's probably like a meta commentary on how like no one notices Anne even Good when she's point. like yeah. on some dude in the street. <laughs> but but at the same time I'm like where did this carnival come from? Where is it going and how does it get here? Like I said it's not it's not it's it ha- that happens and I don't know why. They, they they carnivals they just drop out of the sky sometimes. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well again it it wasn't something Austin said and of course they didn't kiss or she didn't tell us they did kiss. Um and I also loved another scene they invented at the end where he goes to ask Sir Walter Elliot for Anne's hand and she walks across the room 
And it's like she's saying goodbye to this bizarre group of people that she's been landed with as family. And of course, that's when uh, uh, Mr. Elliot pops the question and she says no. And then and then um, Captain Wentworth arrives with his hat under his arm, looking very handsome and says, I have come to ask for your daughter Anne's hand. Whoa, that is a great, great scene. Oh, swoon. Oh, he's so good. I love Wentworth. I, I do also like the fact that they sort of tie it back into history yes. at the end, which is another thing that I'm pretty sure the book doesn't do, which is which is that Napoleon escapes and we go back to war and everybody's happy ever after. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. And, you know, um, there's something I found out from um, an Austin scholar, um, you know, places and names and addresses in Austin are always significant. Okay, well, well, so what Elliot is having financial problems, right? So he moves to this area of Bath, which apparently was built on very unstable land and the houses fell down. Whereas um, Captain Wentworth and Anne were fine because um, British naval men invested in a special fund, which was always very, very strong because, of course, after the Napoleonic Wars, there was a massive crash. The economy just tanked because for like, 20-odd years it had been kept going by the war effort. So, there, fact of the day. So basically, so basically, in the end, Anne ends up the Edith of her family, the one who's really rich. <laughs> That's right, yes. Oh, the irony. <laughs> but like the good part of Edith, not the sad. Yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Well, it's a good thing she's a, she's at sea with her husband because... Um, well, of course, she wouldn't be at sea with him all the time. But, I mean, they'd, they'd probably have to bail out Sir Walter. Probably several times. Several times, I'm yeah. I'm guessing. He doesn't seem responsible. You, you know Anne would do it because she's a good human being, and you know that he wouldn't deserve it yes. any of the times that she did it. No, he does not seem responsible. That's right. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a cap on our discussion here, because I feel like otherwise we'll just go on for another 15 minutes, like, talking about how great Wentworth is. Frederick Wentworth. Yes. He is he is great, yes. He's so great. Read the book, watch the movie if you haven't. Um, there is another uh, BBC adaptation of this that was a series, but it's not nearly as good, except no substitutes. Um, yeah. Anyway, that is another installment of our Classics Revisited. If you have things that you think we should watch and talk about, or leading men we should swoon over, hit us up at uh, televisions at weta.org and tell us what to do, basically, because that's... <laughs> That's what we like. I don't know. This is getting really weird now. So, Janet, uh, tell everybody where they can find you online. Well, I'm on Facebook and uh, occasionally. I had a picture of my first daffodil up recently. Um, and I'm also on Twitter where I seem to do very little. Uh, it's at Janet underscore Mullaney. Um, but I like to see pictures of cats. And if you show me a picture of your cat, I'll show you a picture of my cats. This seems like a very good deal in my book. I know, right? Um, Annie, you're up. Uh, uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my cats on Annie Bundle on Instagram. Uh, let's see. Uh, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions. And I also freelance around the web. So if you want to know what I've written this week, just follow me on Twitter because that's where I retweet all my violence. Huzzah! I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. 
And like Annie and Janet, I write a lot here at Televisions and elsewhere around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines. So come be my friend if you just want to read what I'm writing or watch me yell about really random weird things, because that happens a lot too. Uh, the site and the pod are on social media at Tele underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. We're also on YouTube now where you can listen to this podcast there at uh, Wida PBS is our YouTube handle. We have a shiny new newsletter, which I am telling you about because if you sign up to receive said newsletter in your inbox every week, which gives you updates on what the site's covering, what we're talking about here, and also pictures of our cast because we're unstoppable on that topic. You can subscribe to us at uh, televisions.org slash subscribe. And for the next two weeks, you will be entered to win a, drumroll please, shiny new Sanditon season two poster. They are awesome. I don't even have one. Uh, But if you want one, subscribe to our newsletter and we will give, I think 10, 10 away to Lucky to lucky i started to say lucky listeners but i guess could be listeners could be readers could be all of the above and yeah that's our jam for this week it is spring ish i think here on the east coast we have officially passed the point where the sun will set before 6 p.m thank you lord i cannot wait for this darkness to stop because i hate it and i hate a lot of things happening in the world right now so everybody please take a second it is it is a bleak time out there. Is it a? It is a season of self-reflection in many religious traditions right now. And just I don't know. Do something nice for somebody else. Take care of each other. Don't say that mean comment. Share a fun article instead of one where people are angry. I don't know. We're not going to come out of this unless we get ourselves out of this. So let's do it, shall we? And as always, Janet, thank you for visiting. My pleasure. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we will see you next week.